am very grateful to talk to both of you. And um, I'm also very nervous this morning, and it helps me when I just tell the truth about that. And, um, a question that my sponsor often asks me is, who are you thinking about? And um, when I'm nervous, I'm thinking about me. You know? I'm thinking about what will you think of me, what... You know, what am I going to say? Is it going to be the right thing? Blah, blah, blah. And this is a big meeting, and I'm not a person who is particularly fond of speaking, even at small meetings. And so it's a little overwhelming. But there are so many familiar faces here, and, and I always feel at home um, in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, even though in the beginning that wasn't, that wasn't my experience. I didn't come in and feel at home right away, but I've come to, to um, feel at at home here, so it helps if I just tell the truth about my nervousness and then try to think about what can I bring instead of what is everybody thinking and all of that. So um, I, I wanted to share with you this morning how, um, I wanted to share with you about how I work my program. And, and I thought that the best way for me to show you how I work my program is to pass around these pictures so that you can see the great success that Marcy has when Marcy works Marcy's program. Um, (laughs) Marcy's program got Marcy up to over 250 pounds, high blood pressure. Um, Marcy's program helped her to rupture all the discs in her cervical spine. Um, Marcy's program had her miserable on her job and, and in arguments and tips and fights with, with most of the people on her job. And um, the book talks about I was having trouble with personal relationships. I was a prey to misery and depression. I couldn't seem to be of real use to other people. And um, that's what Marcy's program will, will do for you. It will get you into pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, which was really where, where um, my program got me. And um, so it's... If you, if you want to know how to work the program, because we do have just a, a common solution, one program, um, the way to, to find out how to work that program is, is to, to read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because that's where the plan of recovery um, is, is, is offered. And, and the plan is, is offered in specific and precise terms, and they give you clear-cut directions. So um, if you want permanent recovery and sobriety and um, serenity and peace and, and happiness and, and joyousness and freedom, then follow the plan that's outlined in this book. Don't follow Marcy's plan. But um, I'm so grateful to God for my abstinence today. It's only by the grace of God that I'm abstinent today, and I'm really, really, really clear about that and really thankful for that. Am am I talking loud enough? Sometimes tell me if I'm not. Um, You know, sometimes I hear people say that abstinence is really hard, or they say that that following a food plan is really hard, And, and I never really understand that, because for me, it wasn't hard. Like, algebra is hard, or, or um, ballet would probably be very hard for me to do. But abstinence from compulsive overeating was impossible. It was impossible. It wasn't hard. It was absolutely impossible for me on my own power. 
I, you know, I had I had no control. The book the book talks about we're like people who have lost our legs when it comes to controlling whatever our problem is. And um, my problem was overeating. My problem was overeating, and I could not control my overeating. Um, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And um, you know, my my solution, my solution to overeating was always a chemical one. It was always to to get the latest diet pill. I I was always kind of clear that I couldn't do it on my own. I just didn't know that I needed to find a higher power to do it. I knew I needed some help, but the help that I always sought for many many years was some was diet pills. And, and so I also qualify as an addict. And um, that was always my solution. And I could put together a diet, and I could put together some weight loss if, if I could take a diet pill. And diet pills kind of stopped being an option for me around the time I hit 40 because there was a lot of information about not taking diet pills and the damage that they were doing. And, and I didn't want to die. You know, I, I was not ever a person who really wanted to die. And so... Right around 40, I kind of stopped um, doing the diet pill thing and um, kind of just surrendered to, the, to, to being into the disease and um, just eating what I wanted, when I wanted, and just kind of not, not caring, you know, um, not making much of an attempt to... Um, not making much of an attempt to control my overeating. So probably like... like um, Seven years. So I came into program when I was 47. I, no, I came. Yeah, I came into program when I was 47. So like for seven years, I pretty much was just not making any attempt to control my overeating. And um, you know what it was like. I just ate what I wanted, when I wanted, and how I wanted. I um, had a real relationship with, with, um, with sugar, which was like my favorite binge food and any kind of recreational sugar, but you know, especially like cake, Bir birthday cake was my thing. It's funny, I, I sponsor someone and she talks about birthday cake, and we could so identify because that was just my thing, you know. And I used to fantasize about like, like if you're at the park and somebody else is having a birthday party, I used to fantasize about how could I go up and join their party so I could have fun. <laughs> go and, and buy birthday cakes and have them write different names on them so they wouldn't know that the whole cake was for me. You know, I'd go to the bakery by my house. And after a while, I didn't even bother with the names. I just went, you know, I just went and bought the cakes after a while. And, um, you know, I can, I can just remember just really being in the clutches of, of the food and just... You know, I get on kicks. I don't know if other people I get on kicks with stuff like Cold Stone Creamery. That was one of my last kicks. I'm sorry if people don't like to hear about food, but it's part of my story. And I was going there like every day, like two and three times a day. I would pay people from work to go there for me. I'd say, would you go, you know, I'll buy you one if you go for me. You know, don't you want one? And I mean, two and three times a day, just over and over and over and stuff like that. And, um... You know, I can remember stuff. Like, some of it's funny. Like, I used to go to a bakery in Beverly Hills, a fancy bakery in Beverly Hills. And um, if you go there and you say you're getting married, they give you a box of cakes 
to take home to share with your groom. What cake you want, you know, and they give you like icing in a little cup, and, you know. And, and I used to go there, and I thought I was very clever and cool that I was like running this scam on these people, and I would go there and get a box of cake, you know. And I guess it's kind of funny, but it's kind of mean, too, because, you know, they, you know it's, and I actually made amends to those, to, to that bakery. But, you know, funny stuff, and then sad stuff, too. Like, I can remember one time I was, I was driving to a friend's birthday party, and it was my job. To, to bring the cake to the birthday party and I can remember like starting just like just tasting the icing on the box you know and it was just, just as if this whatever gets a hold of me and um, I can remember you know just doing that over and over and by the time I got there I had eaten like half a sheet cake by the time I got to the party and it wasn't that far of a drive and having to make up a story about that I dropped the cake and, you know, and come in off with a drama like, oh, I'm so sorry, I dropped your cake, you know, but I had eaten the cake, you know, stuff like that. I can just remember stuff like that, but not really thinking about that stuff at the time, you know. I just, I didn't think about it then. I don't even think I felt guilty about doing that then. I feel bad about doing it today. I'd like to find that person and make amends to her. She's somebody that I haven't been able to find. I'd like to make amends for that today. But at the time, I wasn't feeling bad about that. You know, I was just glad I had the case, you know. So, you know, that was, you know, that was what it was like. And it was like that for most of my life. My story is not that I was a heavy child. I was not a heavy child. But I always had that kind of relationship with food. I stole food. I snubbed food. I was always overeating. And, um, you know, I don't know why that didn't manifest until, until I was an adult into weight on me. But I wasn't an overweight child or even a really overweight teenager. But by the time I hit my 20s, I was starting to pick up weight and starting to, to come up with, with my solutions for losing weight, which I said were always like, you know, diet pills and bad diets, never anything sane. Um, and, you know, what happened to change me and bring me into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous is pretty much like I said, I was really surrendered to the, just surrendered to the overeating and pretty much enjoying it. And if people would say something to me about it, I'm healthy, it's not, you know. Now, you know, I was morbidly obese. This is the, that, you know, and that means basically that your obesity is going to hasten your death. It's going to hasten your death. It's going to contribute to your death. I was morbidly obese in all my medical records, but I would argue and say it's not affecting my health. I feel fine, blah, blah, blah. And, and what basically happened to kind of wake me up is that um, I ruptured the disc in my cervical spine. I didn't have an accident. Nothing happened. But one day, I was in such tremendous pain, and I thought I was having a heart attack, and I went to theaters, and they did MRIs, and all this kind of stuff, and I had ruptured the disc in my neck. And you can see from my pictures, I'm a, I was a very top-heavy kind of a person, so most of my weight was in my upper body. And when I went, and they finally made the diagnosis, and I went to the doctor, and I was like, why me? I didn't... How could this happen to me? I didn't have an accident, you know, because they asked you, did you have a recent whiplash? Or, no, no, you know, how could this happen to me? Blah, 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 why me? The doctor said very quiet, kindly and kind of quietly, 
because like, he probably didn't want to piss me off, but he said, Marky, we see these type of things in, in people who, who, who smoke and, and who are excessively overweight. And I was both of those things. I was a smoker at that time. And um, so I made up my mind then, because I was in terrible pain. I had to have major spinal surgery. Um, and they told me that the surgery will not be successful. You will continue to have problems if you don't lose weight and quit smoking. So I made up my mind. I'm going to quit smoking and I'm going to lose weight. And it says a lot about this disease that I quit smoking. I was able to quit. I still think about it. I, I miss smoking. I like smoking. I enjoy it. And I still think about it from time to time, but it doesn't call me. I was able to stop on my own power. But as much as I wanted to stop overeating at that point, I couldn't. You know, I just couldn't. And the more, it seems to me like looking back, the more I wanted to stop and the harder I tried to stop because I had this, you know, this diagnosis now and, I, you know, it was killing me now and it was clear to me but the harder I tried to stop, I couldn't. And the worse it got. And I was binging every day. And I just couldn't stop. And it was as if I was just caught up in this thing. Like that, you know that Indiana Jones movie with that big ball and the ball is coming at him and he's running? That's how my disease feels to me. Like as if that ball was just chasing me down. Chasing me down. And I just couldn't get away from it. And I couldn't stop. And I couldn't put together a day, you know. Of, of, of dieting, really. And um, we, we went to Las Vegas to celebrate. I have a real gift in my life of a lot of people who are recovered addicts and alcoholics. Um, and we went to um, Las Vegas to celebrate someone's like 20th birth, birthday, you know, so sober birthday and somebody else's 15th birthday or something like that. So there were like a lot of sober um people who were working a 12-step program around me, and there I am in Vegas, and I'm like eating half of Vegas, you know, and, and all these people who were around me who were enjoying themselves with, you know, without alcohol, without, you know, drugs, um, in the city of Las Vegas, you know, where you can get anything you want. And something, and I believe today it was God, but something just said to me that, Marcy, you have to get some help, and the help that you need to get is in OA, is, you know, is in a 12-step program. And I didn't know anybody in OA. I, 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 that's not true. I, I knew somebody in OA, but she had not had any, you know, success working the program or anything, so she wasn't like an attraction or anything like that. But, but these people, these sober addicts and alcoholics, were attractions to me. And I thought, if they could be off crack, because these were crack addicts, if they could be off crack for 15 years, you know, and, and be off alcohol and be happy about it, that maybe there was something in the 12 steps that could help somebody who couldn't stop eating. And that's what brought me into the program. And um, I came to, on a Wednesday night, I came in abstinent because I asked somebody, I said, I don't understand, like, I can understand how sobriety means you don't drink or, you know, you don't do drugs, but what do people do in Overeaters Anonymous because you do have to eat food? And the answer that I got uh, gave me my first abstinence, which was 
that, you, that people in OA eat three meals a day with nothing in between. And today I know that's not true, that people, some people eat four meals a day and some people have snacks. But that was my understanding. That was what that person gave to me, and that was my first food plan. And it was as if, just, I don't know, for me, it was almost as if just the willingness to come in and just the willingness to do it, somehow God entered. And, and I didn't have a consciousness of that. It wasn't like, oh, but it was as if it happened in that time, even though I wasn't aware of it. And I came in abstinent, and I, um, you know, I had an, a, a moderate breakfast that day and a moderate lunch, and I went to a 7 o'clock meeting on Fountain in Fairfax that's no longer there. I think it might be somewhere else now. But that was my first meeting, and um, I just have kept coming back ever since. And um, I was just somebody who was so... Um, in so much pain when I came in and, and just so devastated by the disease that I stood, I stood ready to just do anything. And anything that anybody told me to do or anything that I heard from the podium, I was willing to try it. I wasn't a debater or an arguer. And it wasn't because that's not my nature, because that's very much my nature to argue and debate. But it was because I was just beaten and I didn't have a fight left in me. And, and I felt very out of place. I, I always felt like I was the fattest person in the room. I went to a lot of meetings on this side of town. And, um, I, you know, I went to a lot of meetings where there were a lot of anorexics or whatever. And I always felt like I was just the fattest person and that I was probably your worst nightmare and that everybody hated me. And I felt like I was the only person of color, and, you know, and that. And, I, and I'm a lesbian and I felt like everybody else was straight. And I felt very, very out of place. But I kept coming back, you know, and I kept coming back. And that was just me thinking that. And people were loving and kind to me, but I didn't experience it like that. But I still kept coming because I didn't have anywhere else to go. And, and every, every meeting I went to or every, every speaker always said something about the steps. And so it was very clear to me that if I wanted recovery, if I wanted to... to, to to, to be successful or whatever in this program, I needed to work the 12 steps. And um, I was really, really blessed that I, 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 I got into a workshop early on in, in my abstinence. I had 30 days, and um, I got into a workshop where we worked the 12 steps. I'm sorry, thank you, Jeff. Where we worked the 12 steps the way they're outlined in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous together as a group. And I've been in that workshop ever since. Um, it's not even an OA workshop. It was an AA workshop. My sponsor directed me to go there, and I've been in there, and, and, uh, and I've just been in there ever since. We work the steps over and over the, the way they're outlined in the book, and that's where you, you, know, you find the plan of recovery, and it talks about we can be recovered. We can be recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body that, that is alcoholism or overeating or whatever it is, and that's been my experience. The obsession is gone. Food doesn't call me. I can go anywhere today. I take my mom to Baskin and Robbins when she wants to go. I go to buffets. I eat at buffets. You know, for me, abstinence is about refraining from compulsive overeating. That's the bottom line for me because that was my problem. Um, I have a food plan. I always tell people that I sponsor, that I work with, that, that I, I believe that a food plan is what gives us separation. I stop at 8.30? Is that 
At night, we like I believe a food plan is what gives us the separation from the physical part of the disease so that we can work the steps that Big Book talks about. You, an alcoholic has to be separated. You can't work the steps drunk. I can't work the steps binging uh, on excess food. I can't work the steps like that. You know. So I believe that a food plan separates us from the physical part of the disease. And the only thing I ever tell people that I sponsor about a food plan is that it shouldn't come out of their head. You know. <laughs> my head, no, but you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to come up with my own food plan. People say, you know, but my head is my problem. So I, the solution to my problem can't come from my problem. And my sick brain cannot fix my sick brain. You know, um, so I, I abstain from compulsively overeating one day at a time by the grace of God, by having a food plan, and by abstaining from my alcoholic foods, which, you know, for me are the cookies, cakes, ice cream, candy, anything. It doesn't matter fruit juice, sweetened it. If it looks like cake, it's it's going to be cake for me. <laughs> so I, I, I abstain from all that stuff. And, um, and I never talk about this, but I also abstain from meat, which is a funny thing. Um, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I always wanted to be vegetarian, always. And I, couldn't, I could never do it. And I would actually like lie to people and say, oh, I'm vegetarian. Because I thought it was like spiritual or something. And I would like tell lies and say I was vegetarian and I wasn't. And I'd be binging on chili cheeseburgers. <laughs> but I'm a vegetarian, you know. And then people would, would catch me like that. son would say, mom, you said you're vegetarian. Oh, oh, this is tofu. <laughs> just like, just bald, you know, boldly lie. But, um, so, my, so I want, I thought, you know, God could help me with overeating, God could help me be a vegetarian, so I, I asked for help with that, and I've been a vegetarian since the beginning of my abstinence, which is just another miracle, you know, it's just, you know, God, God can and will um, do what we can't do, and, and what, I, what I talk to people I sponsor with is we do need willpower to work this program. We do need willpower to work the steps. We don't need willpower to control our food. We don't have it. We don't need willpower to follow a food plan because if, if we don't have that. But we do need willpower to, to follow the plan. And that, the book talks about that's the proper use of our will. That's how we use our will properly is in trying to align it with God's wishes for us, with God's intended purpose for us. And so, um, Dr. Bob, who's like my, my personal favorite, talks about that if you, you know, if you really want to get over your, your, your drinking, he said, or your overeating, if you go about this program with like one half the zeal that you went about getting your next bite, so if I go about it with one half the zeal that I came up with all those plans to get birthday cake and to get ice cream, half the zeal. You know, God won't let me down. He says, your heavenly Father won't let me down. And so, you know, my higher power has not let me down yet, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that, and I'm so grateful to be here today, and I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thanks for so